3: Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to, to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing, World Cup winning, Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listener, gog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers.
0: And welcome to Stop Hammer Time. Uh, my name is Phil Whelans, and this week we are looking less likely to be going on a European tour. Uh, though we could go to a European tour to uh, various um, Eastern European clubs and be knocked out by uh, what's that? AstraZeneca, that club. You know, we have to play them and then play them 12 weeks later. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we feel a bit rubbish for two days after every game. It's quite a big, quite a good analogy. That analogy it is quite nicely. You feel a bit shit for a couple of days after you played them, and you probably have to play them three months later. Yes, uh, we are looking less likely to be doing that because we uh, lost very narrowly at the weekend to uh, Everton. Um, so we'll be talking about that on the game uh, this uh, on the show this week sees a return also of Poetry Corner. Uh, she's a very exciting prospect. Um, <laughs> I have donned uh, a cape and a cravat uh, <laughs> in order to listen to this week's poem in poetry corner. Joining us this week are uh, a sporting journalistic
1: legend. Also uh, are you still a YouTube sensation Jim Munro? Uh, I've been a lot busier this year I have to admit now uh, leading up things at live LiveScore so it's it's been a bit harder to hit the tube of you yes. in the way that happened in the last couple of years.
0: Bad lad um, dad. Yes, indeed. Dad. Thank you
1: for the plug, Phil. Yes. I, I haven't even that's, had to bribe you. That's the YouTube uh, thing. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you. Have you been doing it at all? Uh, not this year, not since the turn of the year, to be honest with mm. you, really, mate. As uh, as I mentioned, uh, Live School with a uh, big media um, sports company, we're very busy and a lot of yeah, projects yeah. on the go. So I uh, just really haven't had the time at all.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a shame. Uh, also joining us this week, uh, author of possibly the greatest blog on the <laughs> subject of West Ham United of all time, uh, run by close second place, the blog uh, that uh, Russell Raphael did about uh, West Ham and Wagner. It is, of course, the author of The H-List. It's James Cairns. Hello, Phil. Hi, James. Everything all right?
2: Uh... Yes, but you know, as you said, the prospect of playing Ash, well to give them their full technical title as I believe in an Astra fucking Gugu is the name of the Romanian team right, uh, based yes. upon the um, the fan TV um, uh, commentary about them. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, and I think we're at the point, aren't we, where we're probably likely to play them rather more than Real Madrid, which is a bit disappointing considering. How far we've come this season, and the dreams that we all had. Yeah, uh, a little disappointing. Um, but but otherwise, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Yes,
0: I mean I have to say, you know, uh, as as I've sort of said for for most of the last three or four weeks, once we got to 30 games, I drew up a list on a piece of paper of the eight remaining games and sort of said that I thought that the three prospects for getting beat in those games were, um, Leicester, Chelsea and Everton. Uh, we sort of swapped out Leicester with Newcastle, but, um, so far, uh, those have proven correct. We beat Burnley, but we lost to Everton. We lost to Chelsea. We lost to Leicester. And, um, uh, what's coming up are the three games that we saw as a, a pretty, a relatively easy run-in. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the Everton game. Uh, yeah, a sort of an, a narrow defeat. Um, uh, what do we make of it? Uh,
1: Jim, what did you make of it? I think you have Ellis. to, uh, oh, sorry, which Jim? Jim Munro. Jim Munro. Monroe. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think you've got to credit uh, Everton with executing the perfect game plan, to be honest. There's, there's been an awful lot of, uh, bemoaning of how we how we played as a team, but you have to look at what Everton did. Um Bringing in the, the sort of three at the back, which is something that they they don't ordinarily do during the season. They were more aggressive in the tackle. Um, mm. Look at people like Seamus Coleman and Yerry Mina, Allen in midfield. I mean, they yeah. they were definitely up for that game. Um And playing the three central defenders who could step forward to launch an attack like Ben Godfrey did with that that pass-through that we all stood and watched that Dominic Calvert-Lewin yeah. ran onto, yeah. um, Or they could double up on our wide men. I mean, again, Yeri Mina was, was permanently running up behind Mikhail Antonio and refusing to be barged off the ball. You now we were out-muscled. Yeah. And there, there, there are times when you have to turn around and say, look, uh, we've we had an excellent performance against Burnley. And so this was highly disappointing to see we couldn't make any inroads. And we were passing the ball back rather than trying to pass it forwards. Because... Everton just stood their ground, and they, they were the better team on the day. And in fact, Dawson—that chance at the end where Joshua King had a header, and, and it looked like it came off the post—it now subsequently looks like it came off Dawson's hand. No, we, we could have been two down. I, I don't think we could have complained, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it was funny. In real time, I thought it came off his arm. But then there was... I think it was one of those things where different angles showed it differently. Mm-hmm. When 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 they showed it again, I thought, oh, no, it's the post. But in real time, I thought, yeah. oh, that's handball He's just handled it on the line. Yeah. Um, well, at least um, he didn't
1: get sent off again.
0: No, no, no. no. Um, yes, I mean, it, it, it was a good performance. Um, I mean... That said, you know, we were sort of in the game the whole time. We had some very good
1: yeah. uh, chances. Um well, Suffal hitting the post, and uh, I think we all know what Ben Rama should have done with his header.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh
0: James, what do you make of it?
2: Uh yeah, I'm pretty sanguine about it. To me, it's a bit like Jim. I kind of thought it could it was pretty it was very close. I mean, over both games against Everton, it has been incredibly close, isn't it? And you know, it's yeah. we they, we we did to them what they did to us. Um, at Goodison, you know, they sort of came and did and pretty much did the same thing, which was sort of a, a pitch-perfect away performance. I would have quite liked us to have been able to have gone 3-4-3 three, three and matched up with them, because, I, yeah. number one, I think we played quite well in that formation, but it does, does depend quite a lot on Masuaku um, yes. being fit. Yeah, it does. And I think sort of what happened actually, particularly in the first half, was that Coleman pushed um, Cresswell back, just repeatedly pinned him back, um, and sort of left Ben Rama in this weird space where he was neither attacking or defending. He was sort of a bit anonymous, really. And we never got to grips with that system. I didn't think. Also, then Lanzini getting injured was very unhelpful because he's, you know, was excellent against yeah. Burnley and just his ability to control and um, play w- was missed as well. I, you know, I'm sort of I, disappointed and frustrated, but at the same time. I, I sort, of, so, sort of got an odd sort of sense of admiration actually for the way that Everton played because they just did a job on us in the way that mm. we have, I think, done on a lot of other teams this season. So I sort of recognised quite yeah. a lot of what they were doing in, in how we've been successful this year. So hard to grumble.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Jim Grant, you and I were sort of watching it together and you sort of said, textbook smash and grab, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's, it, it, it was, you know, it's, it... Uh, they they had one opportunity and uh, they took it. I mean, they actually well, they had, had, a, had couple a couple more in the end. Yeah, but, yeah.
4: I mean, I, I agree with everything that's been said. And and um, I don't think, you know, we can be too, uh, you know, historically we haven't done the double over them. I mentioned this last week in the podcast that, you know, I'm kind of a believer in history with, with football and and they're a tough team to, to do the double over. We haven't done it to the Greenwood era. That's how long you have to go back. Yeah. Um, what I would, the positive I would, in a way, in a funny sort of way, take take away from it was that I've been saying for a couple of weeks that we've, we're starting to play a bit like a big team. And I felt Everton set up to play us like they were playing a big team, like they set up to play yeah. Liverpool or Man City. They mm. parked the bus, they hit us on the break, um, they scored a good goal, good breakaway goal, you know, with a, with a really well weighted pass and a, a lovely touch from Calvert Lewin, you know. Maybe if Bob Bonner had been there, or, or or a quicker defender, which we probably need to look at buying in the window. Um, you don't concede that goal, but um, we, we having said all that, we carved out two golden chances. We did, we did. That should have been goals. Um, you know, Ben Rama, in a sense, did the right thing, and he tried to place the header in the in in the far corner and just got it wrong. Um, and and Superl seems to kind of just. He's in front of goal. He's had a couple of opportunities this season, hasn't he, where he's just mm. not quite, you know, that was unlucky, wasn't it? And unlucky that um, earlier in the season, a very similar one where now hit a shot and Bowen tapped in the rebound off the post. Mm. He was in yeah. the right place, in the poacher's place to do it. You can't fault him. It just came as he was in sort of mid-air and it was a really difficult, you know, he couldn't sort of get his foot around it. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's fine margins, Um but, yeah, I agree. Everton, you know, set up to nullify us and they did it spectacularly well. Coleman had an outstanding game for them. Extraordinary. And, um, I mean, he was, he they, was incredibly pumped up. Kufel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they stuffed out Kufal. I think that was crucial. He had probably his least effective game for West Ham this this season. Yes. Um, he uh, yeah, had the freedom of the right-hand side against Burnley. They'd obviously watched that close, close him down. And, and that's where we wanted to do our kind of slightly lopsided attacking when Crestwell was playing in a back four, isn't it? That that um Sufal du you know, it almost becomes a back three with Suffal really pushing on and um we we struggled with that. And and then Moyes' options for tactical substitution were limited by the fact that two were forced on him. So
0: yeah, you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, and, uh, you know, and I sort of dwell on, I mean, the, you know, the the howling and the gnashing of teeth from some quarters at this defeat. Although I did, I read a sort of match report, you know, in uh, one of the big papers that sort of painted a very strange picture of, uh, I think it said something like uh, Everton were dominant in all areas. And you're like, well... Yeah. I mean, a big area of a football match is possession. They had thirty <laughs> percent. I don't think you can say a team dominated in all. I think it's departments. They said dominated in all departments uh, when you know we were sort of running it at their goal at will. And in fact, most of the second half was played in their half. You know, it sort of, sort of seemed to be a very. Uh, uh, and also, the same report said that somehow we caved. That we we, we were unable to stand up to the relentless pressure and eventually caved and they scored a goal i i couldn't describe a sort of less accurate version of (laughs) events than than both of those two statements really that they sort of dominated in every department and we had you know i don't think you can really say that about a team that's got you know has had 30 percent of possession um do do did we think that we were a little less at it than we normally are it felt to me yeah a little
4: bit i think so you know, I think, you know, some tired legs now and, and, you know, the real sense that we're kind of trying to drag ourselves over the line, you know, coming around the, the you know the final bend and our legs are tying up a bit to draw a sprinting analogy, you know, so. Because, that, um,
0: you know, that, that attacking team is one that should be able to eventually pick its way through a very organised defence, you know, yeah. otherwise, you know, more football matches would end up Nil-nil, you know, because, you know, those are the players that you say, oh, we need players like that to, you know, to unpick that sort of thing. And we had them. Jesse Lingard, Ben Rama, Bowen, Antonio. I mean, that was that team. So, you know, obviously we had those couple of chances, but um, uh, you would have hoped that we would sort of get on the scoreboard at some point.
2: Yeah, I, think I think we're missing Suchek, though as an attacking force. That's would just, be sure. that. I say, just what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, I think without Rice, Suchek has, has been muted, isn't he? And I think that yeah. that to me, because um, I mean, to your point, Phil, we had seventy percent of the ball. It's not like Ben Rama, Lingard, and you know, especially there's the sort of two creative players, but also Bowen and Antonio. It's not that like they didn't have the ball in advanced no. um, areas. It's not like we didn't have opportunities to create stuff, but. I mean, I don't know about you guys. In the second half, I was I, I was sort of watching you, thinking I'm not convinced that another sort of dinked cross into the, onto the six yard box for, yeah. for Mina to head away. Uh, he, it was very one forward. dimensional in that respect. Yeah, it, it was, yeah. and I think and, and and ironically, you know, particularly without Su then sort of barreling around up front, creating space, and you know, when he scored the winner at Goodison, didn't he, by arriving late? I just think we we've really missed that, and I think we 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 did okay at Burnley primarily because I think Burnley aren't very good, and they were on the beach. We, we we weren't at it. And I think that that sort of dimension being taken away and there just being no alternative at all within the squad um, yeah. was really apparent in the second
1: half on Sunday. But that's exactly what I was going to say, James. I mean, that Suchek, obviously with Rice sitting behind him, can do those forays forward. Now, as impressive as Lanzini has been, and quite surprisingly good that as Lanzini has been in that, role filling in at the back. And then Fournells as well, I think, did a very good job too. Very good. Also the more attacking players. So Suchek's having to play a deeper role than he would do normally. And we've lost that, that sort of marauding thrust through the middle that can distract defenders. And 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 again, as James said, sort of arriving late at the far post or something. And it's, it's just taken something away from our... I'm not saying we've become one-dimensional, but it's just taken away that... Of additional threat that we can pose when we're marauding forwards.
0: Yeah, that's right. We we um, it feels like a while since we've seen uh, the the sort of just hopeful cross into the box at sort of head height, uh, but it was a real mm. return on sunday and 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 there was just no one on the end of it and sometimes uh, i th- we might have talked about this last week with sort of matthew jarvis used to basically seem to have been told to put crosses in regardless of whether there was anyone there other than the opposition's defenders and goalkeeper and some of those crosses uh on sunday were just Utterly speculative and and mm. essentially to no one to just be mopped up by one of their big central defenders and it seems they were
2: very deep they weren't they? I mean that was yeah. I, I just felt kind of I've got a lot of admiration actually for the way that Moyes has transformed us as a team in terms of being able to create opportunities even when we don't have much of the ball. Yeah, I mean yeah. The, you know the, the, our league table and position is not a fluke. We are genuinely a very good side going Absolutely, forward. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of counter attacking ability and the ability to hit really quickly. Is predicated quite a lot on teams not being, you know, camped on the edge of the box, and yeah. there's always a, a bit, there's quite a lot of criticism at the mm-hmm. teams when you can't break them down, and you do just continually chip um, balls into the box to be headed away. But there is also a counterpoint, which is like they're a good team; they've got lots yeah. of really good yeah, players. Yeah. and is a very good cut. I mean, you couldn't pick a better coach to coach that particular um, no, no. performance on Sunday. I, I'm not so critical of the team. I, I I think we. Well, we created two good chances in terms of the Benramah and Sufal ones, and if they'd gone in on another day, we would have won, and we might have been yeah. saying, "Well, oh, we ground it out," you know. I think, I think that's absolutely
4: right. Those those that is fine margins, and those those were opportunities that should have been goals. I mean, they weren't sort of half giant they weren't just chances. They really should have gone in, shouldn't they? I mean Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, both both created by Fournals, Interesting enough, different different kinds of passes, you know, and and that that. The ball over the over the top. We finally had pulled them a little enough out of position for Ben Rama to have a bit of space. And it kind of in a way fell to the wrong guy, didn't it? In, in, in a sense. But you know that was a pinpoint pass. It was less of a cross. You know, he saw him, yeah. Put it put it on a plate for him. And uh, you know, it was it was a bit unlucky. I don't think it was a terrible miss, but it was it was uh you know it should have been a goal
0: yeah and had it gone in it would have changed the complexion of the game they would okay, have to come out completely. a bit more i mean you know they they um stressed ancelotti and some of the players stressed how important that game was uh you know it, it, you know west ham fans are are um are sort of slightly bemoaning the fact that, that was felt like a kind of pivotal game a sort of a six pointer in some respects but also um you know uh, affecting the ability of liverpool to to overtake us and possibly spurs you know um yeah. But uh, it was important for them as well because they still want to stay in the hunt for European. Football. Absolutely. For them, Absolutely. it was a hugely, hugely important game, and I think you're right. They did um, treat us like a big club. They really kind of got behind the ball, and uh, yeah. you know, once they got their goal, the second half, they just basically weathered a storm of a but wave after wave of yeah, yeah. And we didn't from, have from the us.
4: resources to no to change it up really. No, um, just to just to sort of. You know, underline what what, what James is saying about you know what Moyes has done with the team. I mean, that game, the whole game, the shape of it, the way the way it panned out, the context, the situation of the game was unimaginable. On the evening we miserably sat and watched our League Cup team with Anderson and uh, Snodgrass and and Co get beat four one, well beat. You know, could have been mm-hmm. more four one out there, where they looked like a golf a club. They looked, I mean, they looked like like years ahead of us, didn't they? You know, yeah, at the time. Yeah. And it was, it was during Calvert-Lewin's purple patch, wasn't it? At, yes. At the time. But, um, you know, t- t- unimaginable to, to think that, you know, where, you know, where we've come, that we're above them in the table, that they'd come and park the bus like that, that we would be chasing Champions League, that we would be, you know, in spite of injuries to Rice and to Masawaku and to, and to old Bonner who's going back, you know, I mean, it's extraordinary. It yeah, is extraordinary. Absolutely. You
0: stop and think absolutely. About it. Yeah. What, what is, in fact, sort of happening with these last eight games is, is, like I said, I mean, certainly for me, they're sort of going according to plan with the Leicester and Newcastle results reversed. And so hopefully we'll win the last three games and we can see what happens. You know, we should, uh, um, we should hopefully give a performance against those teams because they're not as good as the three teams uh, or two of the three teams that beat us, you know. And in fact, you know, Newcastle are going very well now. Uh, now that they've got, you know, the, the team that Bruce wanted at the beginning of the season. Um, yes, it seemed, you know, uh, it did seem a little weary, possibly. That might be the wrong word. But uh, uh, but there were lots of positives. You know, we, we stayed in the game right till the death, uh, which it seems to be characteri- characteristic of Moyes' team. And I thought, as you said, Fournelles was just terrific again. You know, even though he had to sort of adjust his role when Lanzini went off, he seemed to take that completely in his stride, and and put in another terrific performance.
1: He's I, really I love his enthusiasm. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter who scores the goal; he's the first one there, yelling and screaming. You can yeah. you see these behind the scenes videos. You can hear his voice if you can't see him in shot yeah. um, as soon as the ball hits the net. But uh, I think it's Jim mentioned earlier. Just he's just now picking out better passes. Um, against Burnley away when we were one down and he, he, he tackled to retain possession and he dummied twice to shoot before playing out to Lingard who then laid it back to two to put the cross in for Antonio. But that's the kind of area where in the past Four would have taken the one touch and tried a shot and that would probably, mm. probably have dwindled away. And as you say, again, he was he was creating chances on, on Saturday and, and he can seem to do a job about anywhere you put him on the field. Yeah. Um, just... In energy alone, he's a handful, but his he's, he's decision making and his passing it certainly seems to have been, come on leaps and bounds just in the last few months. And he's very
0: good in our sort of, you know, um, moments of back to front kind of tick attacker, one or two touch stuff. He's very good mm. at sort of just diverting the ball you know, changing the direction of the ball with just one touch, you know, a back heel. His his back heel sets Lingard on his way for his mazy long run against yeah.
1: Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: moves. you know, um you know, he sees those small redirections of the ball in a way that, you know, that mm. sort of, you know, that goal that um Arsenal scored that Wilshire has about four touches in, and, and that game was that goal was played endlessly and endlessly. Um, and uh, you know, we, we, it's, a lot of our play is like that now, it's a uh, very quick, we can read each other. Um, the balls moved very quickly, all very encouraging. Um, well, maybe we'll talk about these uh, these forthcoming set of games and a few other things after this message. Welcome back. So that's that game out of the way, and we have three more uh, to get to the end of the season. There's some players coming back. Hopefully Rice will be back, and that'll make a difference. Um, Massive difference, I think. Massive yeah. difference. Uh,
4: just just to the, the morale, if nothing else, you know, just to mm. just to raise the heads of a, of a kind of team that's beginning to kind of, as it, as we said earlier, you know, is is flagging a little bit. Um, yeah, he'll it, be a talisman, I think.
2: Yeah. And I think yeah. Bright- Brighton are missing a couple of players aren't they as well for their- is it Mopey and stunk. Yeah. 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 So dunk I mean they, they're, they're
0: our bogey of... side, right? Yeah. yeah. They are. And uh, Mope, you know, who is um gets picked most weeks for them. Uh so they are two regulars, you know, two uh regulars, I don't know what their sort of backups for those players are like, but um you know, that's um that's sort of encouraging and and um you know, I mean there's a there's a sort of element of um uh, flip-flops on already for them and already down with West Brom and a bit more flip-flop action with uh, Southampton though I don't think you can ever like count on those being the case but um, you know hopefully uh, there might be a bit of that coming into play and sort of um, for us you know players coming back Ogbonna might be back.
1: Uh, well, I think Ogbonna would make a huge difference we, we do miss his commanding presence you know he's top of our stats for clearances and he, he just, he just brings that calmness to those around him and he's, and he's a strong leader back there as well. Yeah. Um, I do feel we need to find him uh, some better partners moving forwards. Um, the guys we've got, the guys we've got are okay to fill in, but you know, we we, we need somebody of his ilk of his I agree. But... I
4: think I think Dawson and Deal are a third and fourth yeah. centre-back. You need four in a squad. It's such a nutritional position. You have to have four first-team quality centre-backs. Um, but I think we're missing... I mean, I think Balbuena is also a third or fourth. Joint. Mm. I think we're missing a, a starting centre-back. And uh, uh, I, I'm hoping that we'll go in for one in the summer. Uh, not necessarily spend a lot of money in there. I think you know, Dawson has proved to an extent you can pick up um, good good players in that position who aren't necessarily going to cost you the earth.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a, there was a newspaper story today about um, uh, the uh, the fact that we're a bit skint. Uh, we, we had a bad year financially. I don't know, you know, I guess most clubs have with coronavirus and stuff, though gate receipts are not, you know, a huge part of um, – uh you know the money that a club makes are they they're sort of you know um but obviously they have been without gate receipts and that to sort of refund people's season tickets and stuff all that sort of stuff but um the story was in relation to the possibility of uh buying jesse lingard um and uh obviously with jesse lingard whatever whatever they charge for him there's wages on top he will be on huge wages at manchester united where he has been for you know Eight years as a first-team player, and uh, will have, with his wages going up every week at a top team, he'll you know he'll he'll be on big wages, and there probably will be a team that can afford to give those wages. And...
4: I, I think I've said all along that I think if they want him back, he'll he'll go back, and he'll and he'll want mm. to prove himself. You know, they're going to be. I think they're going to want to have a over optimistically i think but i think they're going to see themselves as wanting to have a right go at the premier league uh, next season and they're going to have champions league so um they're going to need they're going to need a big squad um and uh there'll be a role for him i think so i i'm not optimistic about keeping him i think he'll go back to man u uh, to, be,
2: to be honest i i i might be in the minority but i i wouldn't be that upset about not right. getting lingard back to be perfectly honest you yeah. know f- f- particularly for the money which is being quoted which is varies a lot right because he's he's sort of returned to earth a bit now so you're seeing fewer articles saying he's 40 or 45 million and now it's more 30 or whatever but you know he's 28 um so you are this is the last move you know you're you're buying his prime years but you're yeah. also probably buying a bit of decline um yeah. when he when he gets past thirty. And in the end, there, there does come a point, no matter how, how brilliant, he might score you know, four goals in our final three games to get us into the Champions League, but there does still come a point where it's actually not a good deal for a club to 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 buy a player who they can't afford or who would subsume a massive amount of the budget. And this yeah. is the point, you know, I think we don't know what the budget is, but I, I'm hearing between 30 and 50, I think um, uh, you mentioned, Jim. So, you know, if, uh, if that ends up being 25 or 30 on Lingard, that's a massive chunk of money. When you need a, another striker, you need, an, a, you know, a centre back. As we were just saying, you probably need a goalkeeper at some point. Yeah, and um, you know, there's quite a lot of areas in in the squad which have been proven to not have the necessary cover. You know, and if in the end we might just have to say to Lingard, thanks very much, you've been the greatest loan signing in the history yeah, of loan absolutely. signings. Uh, you know, you'll always have a place here, but not for 25 million. So, <laughs> you know, see you when you're 34.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, i think i agree with that you know with, whatever the sort of the the assessment of his cost is there's there's wages on top of that and it's going to get you know mm. if it's going to get up into sort of amounts of money uh that that mean it is that huge, a huge wrench to um to to meet that sort of financial cost um there'll be other players out there that are sort of cheaper and maybe not quite as good as Jesse Lingard, but, um, you know, we might unearth the real sort of talent. And uh, I'm sure there are players out there, you know, and and you could possibly coax a big one away from, um, you know, uh, another club. You know, if we wanted Etze or we wanted Lookman or, you know, Ross Barkley. You know, when Ross Barkley went to Villa, I sort of thought, "Oh God, should we have gone in for him? If Chelsea were going to let Ross Barkley go, should we have gone in for him?" Um, you know, um, the Chelsea guy at Fulham uh cheek. You know, uh, those guys are out there, and they're not going to cost as much as Jesse Lingard. Uh, and you know, there might, you know, there may well be yeah. players out there. You know, uh, but okay, you know,
4: so on, on, on his record so far, I think you've got to you've got to be prepared to trust. Moise, I think, um, and I, I doubt whether he'll look to add more than two or three first-team quality players. There might be some squads and loans, you know, for this space, but he's, you know, I think he's said repeatedly that he feels he's, you know, building something. Um, he's, he's sort of, I think he, he's sort of mentor in many ways. Ferguson always said, you don't sign more than three players in a summer transfer window because it's too many to bed in and too disruptive if you yeah. if you go beyond that. And I think he'll target two or three key areas. Um I I'm sure one of them will be up front. Um and and aim to bring in first team first team quality. And I think that's how the team needs to, you know, we, we, we can't just go and buy the world. Um and I think you know, we've made a mistake in the previous few years by trying to get these marquee signings and and uh unbalancing things by spending you know 40 million on anderson or, or LR and it didn't it hasn't worked out so you know the, the the pattern that's been established with the signings like like um the two czech boys and uh and so uh, you know is
2: looks like the way ahead i think yeah absolutely um, do you think there's a chance that they might look to offload Ben Rama? That's a, a rumor I've heard a few I times. Wonder, he... I,
4: I wonder about that. I, I'm not sure about him. I mean, he could do a Mar. You know, Mahrez, uh, you know. I mean, well, we were talking about Fournals, weren't we? Fornells didn't look as though he was going to be physical and and and, and pacey enough to you know to cope with the Premier League when he first turned up. No, and, and now I, you know, it just it's, I, what a quality player he's turned out to be, as you said, Jim. Um, so maybe we've got to give it. You know, maybe we do need to give him a, a, a chance. Lingard perhaps not uh, coming back is going to give him more game time. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me necessarily because you had a kind of feeling. You wondered whether he was a Moyes or a, or a Sullivan signing in the first place. Didn't he, you
2: know? de- de- definitely Sullivan. <laughs> he's a Will Sorthouse client, so that means he's a Sullivan signing for yeah, sure. Right. I mean, I. it's interesting to me just because one of the things I've been pondering as I watch Ben Rama is I'm a little bit like Jim. I, I, to be honest, I'm not a fan. I I, I don't think he's, he's a fit, but I also do think that, you know, um, judging players on their first sort of 20 or 25 games in the Premier League when they're adapting, um, you know, is probably too, too soon to make that sort of judgment. He might come good next year, um, but he might also be one of the few saleable assets that they've got. If who's not rice, if they want to raise cash and supplement that transfer budget, which I think they might well do. And you might make the argument that if you want a kind of wide player who's a bit flighty, perhaps doesn't do that much in defence, but can score a goal and create, but is a bit in, in the game, you've got Anderson, <laughs> yeah. and they, who, who they can't sell for anything. So maybe yeah. you just bring Anderson back and flip Ben Rama back to Brentford if they come up and uh, and, and sort of get some money that way.
0: Yeah, Maybe. I mean, Anderson just, it, I just thought was, you know, and I was a huge fan of him for a long time, but just in the, his last, you know, bunch of games, a whole season and a little bit of another one's worth was just so dreadful um, that I, I just wonder whether it's ever going to, you know, he's not hes not impressing them at Porto, clearly. And in fact, Tony Martinez is uh, starts more than he does at Porto. Um yeah, sort of went very worrying. I mean, it's, you know, it's it, Ben Rama feels like the sort of player I want us to have. You know, he's a skillful tricksy, helps you keep the ball. Um, so, you know, if we did sell him, I I wouldn't want to get you know some sort of just doer workman like. You know, that's this sort of feeling that people still have about Moyes was that you know he's not a people talk about Ben go he's not a Moyes player. Moise wants just hard grafters. And I'm like, well, no, he wants them to have sure. a bit of skill as well. It's not just about mm. the graft. It's not just another Bolton Wanderers, you know? Mm. And, um, and, you know, I think a lot of our, you know, this, our, our counterattacking play has been predicated on having players that aren't going to give the ball away and are going to sort of move it quickly. And players who tend to do that tend to be quite skillful. Um, mm. Not just grafters. Um, <clears throat> one thing I've been thinking about lately, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, is um, is Hammer of the Year. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, that's um, it's sort of interesting. I, uh, the first thoughts I had about it was that increasingly, as this season has gone by, it seemed like a slightly petty and slightly churlish phenomenon now, Hammer of the Year, because the team works so hard for each other. And the whole point of this team is there's no heroes. They're just, they all fight for the cause. And to sort of suddenly pick one of them out and go, you're the best one, sort of seems like, <laughs> you know, so in the old days, you used to sort of have a good season or maybe not so such a good season. And it was a extra, just an extra acknowledgement to someone who had perhaps put in a little more of an effort. You know, it wasn't, it didn't seem to have the weight of saying you're the best one, the others have all been shit, like it did three years in a row when Scott <laughs> Parker. Won it. Scott Parker, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Steve Potts got it and i'm sure there were people that were you know putting the ball in the net uh more than they, well there definitely were <laughs> because <he only laughs> but um you know i think there's probably a feeling that steve potts had gone about his business as he did every year in a fantastic uh way you know never let you down put in the good performance let's give it to steve um you know, recent years, we saw Paillet get it, obviously. Uh, clearly, he was the best player. But there's quite often a sort of, it's been so shit, we, we give it to the only player that's putting a shift in. Scott Parker three times, Mark Noble a couple of times, you know.
2: I'm pretty sure there was a, a, a petition about two years ago to have no Hammer of the Year. And there was, I'm sure somebody sent me a link. I'm going to pick that up. But there was definitely something yeah. about we shouldn't even give the award, they're so bad. Yes, Whereas now I think we're the other end of the time, we shouldn't give the award because there's eight of them who could, you know, yeah. make it better. Yeah, pass. A, it
4: really is, really yeah. is. You know, yeah, yeah. a tight choice. Because for me, Fornaus is definitely in the, in, the, in the frame, as you said, Jim,
0: you know. Yeah. Um, He's sort of come into the frame, hasn't he, for me? I think we yeah. were sort of saying Og Bonner for probably the first, until least, his
4: third of yes. the
0: season till he was injured. And then, you know... It's sort of a shame if injury takes them away from your consideration because they don't become any less good good afforded (laughs) by the fact that someone's kicked them up in the air and now they're on the, um, now they're uh, on the treatment table. But, um, you know, Sue Cech and Sue Fowl have a sort of strong case.
4: Well, funny you should mention it, Phil, because uh, I've got a little poem about them and... um, I, I think I would vote to give it to them jointly. To be honest,
0: jointly, jointly. Yeah. Is it is it time for the poem now? Shall we? Shall we? It could be.
4: It could be. Okay. Uh, right. We could just run it through. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to um, lean
0: against uh, the fireplace.
4: Yes, that's important. <laughs> just let me start.
0: Just let me start this pipe.
4: Uh, there's okay. a bit of a kind of you know food metaphor running, eating right. metaphor running through. As you'll know, uh, it was in the news at one point. Um, the, the the popular dish amongst uh, Czech footballers being um uh, potatoes in a, in a kind of savory dressing so
0: yes all yeah. right okay. okay i'm ready now ready? jim i've got my cravat on <laughs> okay
4: of all the reasons that this season's been a tasty treat and there are many is there any that can beat our pair of checks for all the sexy football that's been served up on our plates, it's these Czech mates in my humble, with their Slavic rough and tumble, like the perfect apple crumble that satisfy me best. From the East they come to West Ham, these crispy, crackling, tough tackling, never slacking, always tracking footballing marauders, barking orders, marking, overlapping, snapping into tackles, like survivors from Barami's army, so much better than the army. They conjure up an age we love as fans. No fancy dance or diving tricks, but guys like Bonzo, Psycho, Mad Dog and Dicks. But not Brepka, he was shit. So I raise a beer and say cheers to these Czech buccaneers. Watching from my sofa, Sufal or is it Kufal? I don't care, or even how the feck you say Sucek, but I love these Czechs. And to Thomas and to Vlad, to Suchek, Kufal, Sufal, Salchek, oh, what the heck, I dedicate this ballad. Together, you're my couch potato salad.
1: That's an award-winning nice work. Nice. Brilliant stuff.
0: That's poem of the year, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> That's what poem of the year. Okay, he's Run probably off. the only one, so probably see to be honest. Has poetry corner a bit quiet for, for, for a while? It has been very, yeah, it's been a bit quiet, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um Yes, yes, they have been terrific, they really have, and um, uh, yeah, it'd be great to see Rice back because I'd like to see a bit more marauding from um, uh, uh, Suchek, who has possibly will need an entire summer's rest. The amount he's uh, run around this season, and the amount he gets kicked as well, it has to be said. Well, he's going to yeah. get
2: about a week because be if he's playing, yeah, yes, I know <laughs> it's just
0: uh, god, yeah. it's awful. I sort of remember. I remember sort of when we the early days of doing this podcast and uh, I remember sort of Mark Noble, you know, having a sort of a little run of playing not all that well. And it was when we had Chris Akabusi on the podcast and he went, look, he played every game last season. Then he went and played in the England under-21s all summer. It might have been that summer when there was a penalty shootout against Holland where it went around twice. So he had to take two penalties and he scored both of his. And there's someone... There he had one and missed it. It might be been Rio Coca. Um and, uh, and then came back and was playing continuously. Literally had no time off for about 20 months. And uh, that was why his form dipped slightly. And I think it was a very good point. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have a little bit of that. The uh, Euro is going to soak up most of uh, the break, aren't they?
2: Um, well, and then we'll be playing on Thursday nights, potentially, depending on what happens in the next few... <sighs> few weeks so it'll be Thursdays in Kazakhstan and you know Sunday away at Burnley <laughs> and I think you know that part of the problem with that small squad is yeah, a couple yeah. of injuries next year and you know yeah. we'll see it possibly fall apart
0: but. yeah absolutely I mean we you know we've talked about the sort of the Europa League being a bit of a sort of poison chalice haven't we but the uh, yeah the possibility of getting into that is now a stronger one than getting into the Champions League it has to be said so um you know we've got players back uh yeah, well, I mean, we've sort of talked a little bit about these sort of forthcoming games, but um, I mean, you know, I, you know, I'd like to feel we could sort of win all of them. But uh, football being as it is, we're you know, I could see us uh, you know not necessarily doing that. But um, what do we think about Brighton at the weekend?
4: Tough place to go. Uh, Always um, tough, actually, um, for us especially. And again, you know, look at the history. We, I, I don't think we've beaten them in the in the Premier League. Um, so uh, we're going to have to really, really go at it. I think it's it's handy that the relegation has sorted itself out so they they don't have to worry about it. And I think it's handy that, that they've, particularly Dunk, who's always has been a bit of a blue and white wall up yeah. against, we've batted our heads for, for uh, a number of occasions. Uh, useful that he's not there. But they play decent football. I've I've watched them on a couple of occasions and I thought, oh, you know, you're not bad. They played a really good game against Liverpool, for example. That
0: mm. yeah, yeah.
4: Um, so they played decent football. Um, uh, hopefully, it'll be a bit more of an open game, um, and, and you know, we'll have a we'll have a chance to create, you know, to create things. We do create chances, you know, even as, I said, as we've said earlier.
1: Yeah, you know. um, yeah. I think it could be quite an open game, I and mean, bright Brighton have suffered from pretty much like us having no strikers, even though they've got people on the pitch who are so, say, designated strikers. Um, they create a lot of chances and, and are guilty of not converting many of those chances. Mm. And I think it could be quite an open game. It's a winnable game, but whether we'll win it, as as Jimbo said, the the history doesn't bode well. And much as I say, it doesn't matter about history. It was, it's what happens on the day. You just, just fence one of those places where you might grind out a draw, but yeah, just yeah. seeing the win, I'm, I'm not sure.
0: I mean, you know, what's happened with a lot of the teams sort of lower down in the table is that it's often the, the the period in which teams are playing kind of shit is surprisingly restful for them. So they have a bit of a kind of renaissance and start kind of playing well yeah. a little bit too late, the same way, you know, the way Fulham did. Uh, they yeah. uh, were looking like a good outfit towards the end of the season. And it has to be said, West Brom was sort of, you know, looking like a, you know... The, the, you know, the only team in the division that really sort of looked fairly wretched for the whole season was Sheffield United. Uh yeah. West Brom, you know, just couldn't pick results up early in the game. They came up with a lot of momentum and you know, um, it was felt they had a good team, including <laughs> Grady D'Angana. Uh, but they just didn't get out the blocks and you know they you know those teams when they just can't put points on the board in the first kind of five, seven, eight games. You know suddenly you're sort of paddling upstream for what feels like the rest of the season, and every game becomes a pressure game. Um, but they they have been playing a little bit better lately. So I mean these yeah. are all. I mean that win that is
1: at was a Chelsea little bit surprised. Was... Sorry, go on. Jim. So I was going to say the the result that had at Chelsea was stunning. I mean that a good you win know, at, at Wolves. I mean, I, this whole thing about oh, it's the end of the season, they're down, they won't care. You sometimes feel that they don't care uh, about the points so much. They can relax. They yeah, can play their absolutely. game more naturally. Less and pressure. They, they don't feel yeah. Exactly. They don't feel the pressure so much. So it can work both ways. It's hard to predict. You would yeah. think they would be Pereira's more motivated. To play, isn't yeah, to, to have a good centre. Yeah. I mean, look at when Newcastle stuffed Tottenham 5 0 at the end of one season yeah. when they've been relegated. You know, they're not going to want to go down with a whimper, are they? No, and no. Spe- especially as that's that's going to be one of the games with some home fans out isn't it yeah 10,000 fans there so yeah. they're, they're not going to just turn over and let us run all over them Sam Allardyce's
0: farewell no, as well
2: James what were you about to say Um I think well I I was going to agree with Jim actually about Pereira at West Brom who I think he's a good player and I saw we were actually linked with him um, today mm. although you know Take that with the appropriate pinch of salt, but um, what I was going to say was, I think in all three games you would think we would be the more highly motivated team, you know. And I think that yeah. in that sense there can't be any excuse. We we aren't going up against Leicester. We aren't going up against the team who are fighting for their for their lives, and and no. you know i either need to win, stay up, or, or like us need to win to get into Europe or whatever. And um, I don't think you could have asked for three better fixtures. No, Generally, no. Brighton for us are problematic, but <laughs> but not really yeah. for anybody else. No, no. To be honest, um, and yeah. Southampton, I mean, they, we're Southampton's poker team. I mean, There's a very bizarre triangle where I think yeah. I think it's Brighton can't beat Southampton, Southampton can't beat us, and we can't beat Brighton, and that just sort of continues in this weird South Coast triangle. But, but th- those three games are all winnable, you know, irrespective yeah. of, of the kind of qualities of those teams. And it's just it's just a real shame that, unfortunately, it's not in our hands anymore. Mm. But I, it wouldn't surprise me to I, – I think it's such a long season and players are knackered and teams are knackered and I think there could be another twist in it somewhere. Yeah. But it might be us. <laughs> you know, it might yes, be us losing yes. to West Brom, for example. But yeah. I think there's probably something still to be told in the story.
0: I think so too. I mean, I think it's a very sort of exciting um, sort of run-in and uh, the, these, these games um, – uh, and the kind of interdependent set of closing fixtures for all the teams in potential kind of Champions League or Europa League positions are are kind of quite an enticing thing. And it's great to be a part of it. I mean, there, you know, there's a sort of, obviously from some quarters, there's a kind of negative feeling. Once, um, you know, the Everton result happened, people going, you know, that's it. It's all over. And I'm going, it's just started. This is why we watch football. It's not just about West Ham yeah. winning games. It's about the league and how, who's going to make it into Champions League places. This is exactly w- what's wrong with the European Super League. What's happening now? We should be proud to be part of, not kind of going, "Oh, we lost to Everton. Everything's fucked now. I hate my life. Yeah. This is rubbish."
1: West Ham. Are, you know. Um, well, that's sort of carrying on. People are now saying that this is our last chance for the next twenty years. Well, yeah. You know, why should that be the case? Why can't we take the positive angle that David Moyes has shown over the past eighteen months? He knows what he's doing and he can actually help us build for the future.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, someone used the word um, after the Everton result clueless. And I'm like, look, <laughs> hey, you know, in a football league of 92 teams, there are 88 who'd like to be as clueless as us <laughs> at this particular yeah. point. in time. So just yeah. in the Premier League, there are 15 teams yeah. who would like to be <laughs> as clueless as <laughs> clueless West Ham United, and the only four teams that might be going, yeah, they probably are a bit clueless, uh-huh. one of them not being Leicester, who we just beat.
4: Yeah. In that vein, I saw someone write, oh, Moyes, no plan B. I thought, well... <laughs> We're all about Plan F now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's yeah. Been through quite a few, you know. Um, yeah, it's just extraordinary. Yeah, people have short memory. People live in a, you know, a lot of football fans live in this kind of sort of moving narrow field of vision, don't they? In which you know it's only the now that that um, and the immediate uh, past that that kind of seems to seems to. Um, guide their judgment and they don't look at, they don't look at that kind of context. I mean, I, you know, I, I did stop and look back, as I said earlier to that, to that 4-1 defeat at Everton and just, uh, that is like, it feels like a world of way in terms of yeah, yeah, yeah. where we've come as a team.
0: Um, and, uh, and it, it, you know, it's fantastic being a part of this. It's like, you, you, you must be looking, you mustn't must be looking forward to the kind of just the, what happens at the end of the process you're involved in. This is the part you're supposed to yeah. enjoy. Yeah. You know, this is it. We are part of this, this run-in, which with three games to go is still kind of poised on a knife edge, not for Manchester City, obviously, or probably United, but, but you know, th- those uh, places in the Champions League, currently we are above Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool. And, uh, you know, uh, there are only three games to go. It's a very tense run-in, you know, and... Um, so it, I, I think it's been great to be part of this. Great to be part of this running. Um, well, I guess that leaves predictions for uh, Brighton, which is when is that Sunday? No, Saturday. Saturday. Saturday yeah. That's
4: day evening.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do we think, Jim Monroe? What do you think?
1: I'm going to be ballsy. I'm going to say we're going to win two one. I'm just going to be confident at the end of the season. I think. As uh, as James said, we, the ball is in our court in terms of having the ambition, having something to play for, um, and that we may be tired, we may still be missing some big players, but just the fact we've actually got something to play for could just carry us over the line. I'm yeah, go for a two-one win, two-one win, brilliant. Yeah, uh, uh,
2: James, what do you reckon? Um, well, a friend of mine has made quite a lot of money this year betting on West Ham games, uh, both teams to score. He's <laughs> right. made quite a substantial amount of money absent the game on Sunday against Everton. So I think that Brighton will probably dominate us on XG and we right. will win
0: 2-1. 2-1. You can't have 2-1. Jim rose have 2 Oh, I'm
2: sorry. Uh, 3-2 we'll, and we'll go 3-0 up. And, uh
0: Oh, excellent. And, excellent! and they'll
2: come back, and it'll be three-two, and we'll be we'll be clinging on. That's oh. sort of how we've been drawing it out recently.
0: I wasn't going to watch it, but I am now. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, um, Tim, so
4: you, what do you who for for, no, do for you go next after you?
0: Oh, okay. Uh, I'll say I'll say three-one to the Hams.
4: I'm I'm going to go super positive. I think I think we're going to go absolutely shit or bust. I think they will be on Brighton Beach uh I think they're missing a key defender I think we'll have Rice back and uh Antonio will go nuts and we'll (laughs) win
0: 4-0. 4-0 very good very good yeah I mean you know one thing we have done and I mean I remember um you know Sam Delaney being on the show before we did before we played Burnley and he just said we are better than them you know and uh I feel that those, some of those games like the Fulham where Lookman just kicked the ball into Fabianski's hands. Um, some of those games we didn't play very well in, but we are a better side than them. <laughs> and what mm. happened was we sort of narrowly prevailed in those games. And... Uh, Uh, that is sort of what teams that are better than other teams often do they're not they're not all champagne football and 4-0 crushings you just get past that team because you know when push comes to shove you're a bit better than them so um, you know with all three of these games you know I'd I'd sort of hope that um, you know we can win and and What's good is that we don't, if we do get beat, you know, it wasn't a kind of shambolic performance against Everton. We were just in that game, the whole game, and they beat us very narrowly by sort of defending sort of stoically for 90 minutes. And, uh, um, you know, we're never out of these games. So I sort of feel quite positive towards these three remaining games and then let's see where we get points-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we are. On that positive note, uh, this has been Stop Hammer Time. Uh, my name is Phil Whelans. With me this week have been uh, Jim Grant. Cheerio. Jim Monroe, My people. And James Cairns. Come Bye. on, you Irons.
4: This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links
2: for this podcast at westhampodcast.com.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network